Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Caught Offside with Andrew Gunling and J.J. Devaney. Oh, yes. Caught Offside. Just outside of New York City from an apartment in Brooklyn, New York. Andrew Gunling and J.J. Devaney. What's up, brother? What does it say about my diseased footballing mind that the thing I'm most excited to talk about later in the pod, in fact, right before the break, is uh, Michael Owen's Apple anecdote? You're not wrong to be excited about that. It's incredible. Oh, my God. I can't stop thinking about it. We'll get, we'll get there, guys. But it's, I mean, it's a meme already. It, it, this is the quickest... Um, actual thing happening to meme that I've seen since that guy from the um, what was it the fire festival that, the, the guy oh, who suggested uh, he, he Billy was it Billy something right isn't that his first name the, the guy that suggested he would do whatever to have water transported he would do, engage in oh oh that. that guy that guy his face oh yeah yeah became yeah. meme <laughs> Yeah. Bean fodder straight away. Uh, Boy, what a proud moment my, this is for Michael Owen to be on that, to have reached that level. I have so many thoughts and theories about it. Okay. It's, uh, and I'm glad it took all the oxygen out of Joey Barton's completely inane and stupid tweets over, over the weekend because everyone just focused last night on, on Michael Owen. I sent it to a friend of mine with all my questions written out. And I, I interviewed the guy, what, two months ago? Never gave me any of this gold. Is this gold? Well, we'll talk about it. We we have the audio, so we'll hear from we'll hear that a little bit later on in the podcast. Um, also, later in the show, um, MLS Cup has been decided. We have a champion. It's the Columbus crew. And so we'll, we'll obviously share a lot of thoughts on that, and we'll talk to – we're expecting to talk to their goalkeeper, Patrick Schulte, one of the heroes uh, of the crew and their run to this title. Uh, he's expecting to join us later on in the program. So that should be a lot of fun. 
One of the big yeah, names to emerge from this season. An MLS Cup champion at 22. Yeah. Starting goalkeeper. That is, that's interesting. Yeah. So that'll be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to talk to him. Um, just a, a quick reminder for everybody out there. This Thursday, December 14th, 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time, uh, we are planning to make our return to YouTube with a live stream. We want to hear from all of you. Obviously, we'll break down uh, everything that has uh, wrapped up with the group stage of the Champions League because we'll now know everything um, with what's gone down on Tuesday and Wednesday's games. So we'll talk about that, but we'll do a little bit of year year end stuff as well. And we want all of your kind of live reactions to that in real time. So um, just keep your eyes open on our uh, we'll send the link out for people to join on all social media platforms and it should be fun. I'm looking forward to that. JJ it should be a good time. Yeah. So am I, it's uh they were fun when we did them over the world cup. It's uh, it's very interactive. It's, it's off the cuff. It's irreverent. It's, it's just fun. It's fun yeah. to do it. Um, I should say too, this podcast could turn into disaster at any moment. I'm sitting on a chair right now that I've had oh. for years and unbeknownst to me, there's a cushion over top of it, like that you can tie on to for some added added support. Um, I didn't realize this, but I re- I lifted up the cushion recently, and the chair is it's com- I don't know how else to describe it. It's completely cracked in half. There's a gigantic crack down the center of it. It's it's now separated. There's I'm, it's two separate halves. That I'm you sitting sent on. me a picture. It's unbelievable. It's a ticking time bomb, and I it's can feel San it. Andre- yeah, it's, it's the spreading. San Andreas fault. As I sit, every time I make any kind of body movement, it I can feel it like spreading more, and eventually it's going to collapse. So I was going to get a new chair, um, but no, I, oh no, don't do that. No, don't do that. I thought I would at least wait until the YouTube live stream to give people some added intrigue as to whether or not I will collapse and die mid podcast through some shard of wood that has gone up into me. So we'll see. Like, you, like he sent me a picture of this. I'm going to post it on social media. It's a death trap. <laughs> it could sever. I like you. I mean, you're on about Manscaped, our, our sponsor, being one of uh, the great innovations to make sure you don't get cut down there. Andrew's literally said, okay, well, if I can't have danger when I'm shaving my pubes, I'll just have danger when I'm recording the podcast. If I this thing goes, you could be severed in half. I don't actually know how it's still holding me up. It's it's cut in half. I don't know. I don't know. I need a, ch- some, a chair manufacturer or engineer could explain to me the physics of how I'm, I haven't fallen into this thing. It's pretty it's crazy. Absolutely. It's stunning. It's amazing. Yeah. And, and I just have an image of you just worried in bed beside Amanda this morning. And you went, you know, Amanda, I should probably buy a new chair. And she goes, oh, well, make sure. Check the stocks, honey. See if it's a good time to buy chair. And Andrew goes to the NASDAQ to check chair. Oh, chair is down. I'm sticking with it. We'll see. We'll see how Maniac. far this can go. We'll see how far this can go. Uh, JJ, we'll get like I said, we'll get to MLS Cup final in, in just a little bit, and we'll talk to Patrick Schulte. But let's, uh, let's start with the Premier League. A lot went on over the course of the weekend. Uh, some really fun results. We'll start with um, let's start in North London with Tottenham. As, oh, will we? Why not? Well, Tottenham Newcastle was on Sunday. It was the last game, probably the most recent one in people's minds, and a game you enjoyed, no doubt. I did. I did enjoy it certainly as as a fan of the club. Uh, 4-1 Spurs get back on track convincing win over Newcastle was four I mean it was wasn't much I mean Newcastle got a, a late kind of a, a late one for good measure but this was this was pretty dominant from Spurs um, here's a trivia question to lead off JJ so Sun converted a penalty for Tottenham it was the first penalty that Tottenham had scored by a player not named Harry Kane 
since this player in 2021. Who's taking pens in 2021? Well, Kane was, uh, but... Yeah, but someone else took one. Right. Dyer. No, 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 no. Uh, no, I believe it was Deli Alley. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah. How things have... Only two and a half years ago or whatever it was when he did that. Yeah. Things have changed since then on Walton's Mountain. Yeah, yeah, certainly has. Uh, great performance from Tottenham. Son was... He was fantastic in this game. He was moved back to the left um, out of that central role where Charleston was put centrally. And it all it all kind of worked. Um, look, Kieran Trippier is a he's a great player, but this was this was not one for the highlight reels with him. I mean, Sun just kind of had him on skates this entire well, no, game. Well, well, yeah. I mean, but let's look at Trippier's day. <laughs> he had a bad day. He was under pressure all the time. Uh, he was destroyed by Sun on the Odogi goal. Like taken to the cleaners, Sun just too quick, shifts the ball out of his feet, cross, and it's a great finish. Also. Odagi picking up that position centrally happened several times in the game. Well, this is part of um, Ange ball is, is yeah, fullbacks it, I, tucking in and playing centrally upfield. And it's like, it, it's, it's amazing. Yeah. But so it, I don't know how many times on breakaways, I think even on the son penalty uh, in the second half, there's a guy charging through the center and I'm like, who is that? Oh, it's, it's, it's Odagi. Um, I think it was that move anyway. Um, so that's, that's bad. Then, then he has a there's a cross field ball he attempts to intercept on the second goal uh, with a header and the header just it doesn't go to play it doesn't go downfield Son retrieves and this time Trippier tries to win the ball and sticks a foot out and I mean he looks like he's been twisted into knots remember the space and time well he swung his foot twice and missed twice yes, and... like a like a jig <laughs> as he was falling backwards as well he was trying to do fast feet it was it was really bad and and richarlison popped up and scored do you remember when messi twisted a bayern munich defender into knots and the internet made him fall through a black hole uh was it bo was it, it was it boateng i think was it i think it might have been and so the internet did a whole load of scenarios where he's falling through space and time yeah. and through various historical moments. Like he turned up at falling through Dealey Plaza, um, you know, uh, falling through the, the, the Cretaceous period, all that kind of, stuff. it's really, funny, I really yeah. think yeah, it was good. I think that's something that could have been done with, uh, with Trippier, with Trippier in this. I instance. think, yeah. With the two kicks, I, could he, could he be superimposed in some, into some sort of like Rockettes number? Some kind of an Irish jig. Something, yeah. Him and Michael Flatley yeah, kind of going dance for dance. Yeah. Could, oh, wow. Yeah, that could work. Uh, Feet of Flames featuring yeah. Kieran Trippier. Um, Carl Kinsella, who I follow, reposted Jamie, just a man, on Twitter. And uh, this tweet went semi-viral. I don't know what goes viral anymore. It, it had 302 retweets and 187,000 views, but it's it's pretty good. I reckon if Trent had the week that Trippier had, there'd be a petition for him to be executed by firing squad. Uh, It's so effing true. Oh, my God. The debate today, the back pages of the papers, the uh, talk sport, Simon Jordan would be in a lather, a lather. Alan Brazil would go a new shade of purple talking about Paul Merson would be like, for me, no, he can't can't play. He just can't. 
I love the lad going forward, you know, the things he can do, but your basics, your bread and butter, your meat and two veg, is defending it. You can't do it for me. That's what it'd be. But no, somehow Trippier can be directly responsible for two goals against Everton. Literally loses the power of his limbs and lets in lets in Everton for two goals and then gets eviscerated by Son. And will Gareth Southgate even bat an eyelid? Will the papers even talk about it? No. England's son. Perfidious Albion's boy. Not, not, not communist. Red. Scouser. Trent Alexander-Arnold-Louis. Can we trust him? Is he even English? No, no, no. Wow. <laughs> that one really got you. Yeah. I get that. That happens sometimes. Um, can I, I before we get... stroke. Before we get off of this one, can I present a weird takeaway that I had? Like when people watch this game who are Tottenham fans, you know, Sun was brilliant and they so badly needed their captain who was we we played him the clip of him coming off their last game, how mad he was like this was a great kind of lead by example game for him. Richarlison so badly needed a game where he where he got in a couple goals like that, especially with his feet. First goals he scored with his feet for Tottenham since he joined. All his other ones, well, all the other couple ones were all with his head. Um, so, like those are are the normal takeaways. Can I just present a weird one, JJ, that oh. I took away from this? One day, Ben Davies is going to leave this club, mm. and and he's going to do so to probably little fanfare, not much accolades. Yeah, uh, but that guy has gotten the absolute most out of his talent. And, I mean, he has, like, time and time again, he has filled in so admirably whether, you know, no, is it at left back? Is it at center back? Is it in a back three? It's under different managers. Time and time again, he just, he's that guy that I feel like winning teams would love to have, a player who is, he seems to be comfortable in not being one of the first 11. But when someone goes down, he's immediately ready. He fills in. You don't really notice that big of a drop-off. Look, over the, if he if you ask, to play, ask him to play a role over the course of an entire season, yeah, there are flaws that he has in his game that would get exposed. And that's why at a club like Tottenham, he's not a first 11 player. But in these stints where players go down and they need someone to just fill in, he does time and time again, he does so well. And, you know, you never hear complaining from him about not being a first 11 player. You never hear he, he's happy to be a part of the club. He's just for me, he's one of those guys that I, I he he will never get the accolades that maybe he has deserved over time for the role that he's been willing to play for them. So I he was so good in this game. He was he had a couple moments where he saved goals from going. Oh, in listen, at nil nil, Andrew, when Anthony Gordon is marauding down the left hand side and he centers for it was a Guimaraes or whoever at the far East, post. Was it Isak? Isak, yeah, and he literally intercepts facing his own goal and flicks it so that Isak can't adjust his body because it was a tap-in. Yeah. I thought he was excellent. He, he's kind of, he's Spurs John O'Shea, I guess. All right, sure, if you want to go with that, sure. But but I, I know no, that I he's he's not going to grab, he's just not a guy who, who will grab headlines. And so I thought he played well enough that I wanted to at least give my ode to Ben Davies because I think he deserves it. So props to him. It was nice. It was very, very nice. And a good win for Tottenham. They needed that to get back on track. Great um, win. Final thing I'll say, yeah. uh, and I'm sure you agree with me, it's amazing that Richardson can score a brace for Tottenham in a big spot like this in a big game. And I don't think anyone is really coming away thinking, well, he's the answer to our center forward needs. Um, 
I mean, there's there's a consistency thing there. He's got to he just you, for what he's been since he got there. You can't really trust him until you see it happen a few times. Four and forty is not going to cut it. No. So, but we'll see. We'll see. It was a good performance. Um, JJ, let's move on. Manchester City back in the win column after a kind of a by their standards a pretty lengthy spell out of it. Um, they come from a a goal down at Luton. Um, probably not a sentence who, you would expect Andrew, to be saying. Who would have thought? Yeah, who would have thought that in August, like if we, we go back to August, we said, well, in the first 10 days of December, Manchester City would be going to Luton to get a morale-boosting 2-1 win. And they'd he, have to come from behind to do it. Yeah, wouldn't wouldn't have put it together. Yeah, but here we are. Here we are. Um, something I thought was interesting. So in the end, City, they do come back. They do win it 2-1. to one. Um, But I, I heard Jack Grealish speaking after the match um, to Sky Sports kind of being asked about city breaking out of this funk that they were in and, and getting these three points uh here here are the comments from jack realish to sky sports about that listen i think though you know a lot of people i think like to talk about city and uh you know go on like it's a big crisis where in reality we've we've played against very good teams you know we played um, Spurs, who have been unbelievable. Liverpool, who are top of the league, um, and then we played Chelsea away and Aston Villa away, who are who have got the, you know one of the best records in the whole of Europe. So um, yeah, we've we've played brilliant teams. You know, we we lost one and drew three. You know, it's not the end of the world, um, but I think people like to like to pretend it is sometimes. So yeah, no, I think within ourselves, you know, we knew we had to keep calm today, and um, yeah, buzzing to to get back to winning ways. And I should note that you've you've seen the clip too. He's kind of smiling yes. through the entire thing, almost. Yeah. And look, I love the guy, and I love his. You know, we've always talked about Grios, his childlike wonderment. Um, but if I didn't know any better, it almost seems smug. I don't think a man who didn't know what an encyclopedia was can really generate any level of smug. Um, yeah, I, I, I get where you're coming from. I don't think it was smug. I think, I think in it, you see, some people do still operate in an ordinary world with, with clubs like Manchester City. You know, they still think, well, three draws and one defeat coming into that game is not, it's not reason for to call it a crisis or a collapse or anything like that. But the consistency and level of play that we've seen from City, it it constitutes a major fall off. That's just because of who they are. They've set and, a standard. Um, They've set a yeah. standard where stretches like this are weird and notable. I don't yes. think it's wrong for people, us included, who declared them the club in crisis last week on this show. Yeah. I don't think that it was wrong for us to look at their situation and and feel that way. But you're never going to get a player to say, yeah, we're in crisis. Well, obviously. You know, you're just, and, 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 and maybe, and not one that's just come off a treble. It's, you know, Grealish probably still has the taste of the vodka from Ibiza, where, he, I mean, he spent the summer partying, um, <laughs> which, which apparently uh, Guardiola was very upset with. I was listening to a, a podcast the other day where there was some journalists suggesting that he still remembers the way Grealish acted over the summer and was not impressed by it one little bit. Um, mm. Just doesn't think that's the way you act. Um, but anyway, Grealish, Gre- I mean, Grealish was just probably in good form because he's scored his second consecutive game with a, with a goal. Um, and 
probably feeling a bit more relevant in the Manchester City world right now. Um, And we should give credit to Luton Town, Andrew. Like you look at the games they've given Arsenal, Liverpool, Manchester City. They're a very, very well-drilled side. Now, Kenilworth Road is definitely to their advantage. Um, But, you know, the goal they scored, Adebayo, great cross from Andros Townsend, who historically loves playing against Manchester City. Um, But it was, uh, you know, they're four points adrift. Everton's resurgence has, has definitely hurt them. And now that bottom three looks, I don't know, it feels like you're not going to get a ton of movement out of it with Sheffield United, bottom Burnley, and then Luton Town. And and Town are now four points off Everton. But you, there's games there they'll look back on, and they'll probably look back on them fondly because they were so exciting and they were against the really, really top teams. But they, they probably felt they could have got more for the battle and the heart they show in those games. And, you know... They've made some clever signings. They missed. They definitely missed uh, Shadozi Ogbeni at the weekend. He was out injured. Um, but like they're they're one of our listeners called them. I hadn't heard this term in a while. Scrappy. They're they're scrappy, but they have got a bit of quality there. Um, and I'm wondering if Everton didn't go on this, and we'll get to them. The the dice upturn. If Luton couldn't have, uh, yeah, maybe. Actually, I say that now. It's. Well, it's also it's also December, so we'll see. I don't know that I'm necessarily ready to commit at this moment that the bottom three today will be the bottom three at the end of the season. God, yeah. I mean, you're if, you, hoping... if you had to stamp that in right now, you'd do it? Yeah, I would. Okay. Because I'm just looking at what's above them, Andrew. Everton are in a, in a place that they probably should continue to. Stingy defense, good attack. Yeah, I don't think it would. Attack. I don't think it'll be Everton. Well, well, well. Forest is not like I mean, Forest haven't won in in like they've what it's four defeats out of five when one draw. Um, Palace are wobbling big time on sixteen points, and then Bournemouth kind of Bournemouth Wolves, mm, Chelsea, we'll Brentford. I don't, I don't see yeah. anyone else slipping from there. I, I honestly think if I if it was a betting man, I, I, I would, I would leave that bottom three in some order. It's going to stay that way. Yeah. Um. Let's see. Let's continue now. JJ Liverpool. They go top following yet another late win, this time over the aforementioned Crystal Palace. Um, I wanted to ask you this, because we've we've spoken a lot about Arsenal this season, especially recently when they went top, about this idea that, you know, they may be top of the table, but have they clicked yet? We've, yeah. That's been a, kind of a, a repetitive theme on this show. Liverpool now occupy that top spot. And I'm wondering if we can ask the same question about them. So I saw this from... Uh, Phil McNulty, who's the, the chief football writer uh, for the BBC, he had a question and answer column up and, and he was asked this. This guy, Tom, asked him, uh, says Liverpool have been mediocre at best for the last month, but they sit top of the league. Is it the sign of a good team or will their deficiencies catch up with them? Mm. Uh, and Phil McNulty answered that by saying, it's a good question, Tom. I, I think mediocre at best is a bit harsh, although I agree they have not sparkled. I'm still not sure just how good this Liverpool team is. Uh, what they do have is an ability to win football matches, and this has taken them to the top of the Premier League table. You can't argue with that. Is this a thing too for Liverpool that we, you know, we, we've kind of focused on it with Arsenal? But are Liverpool also one of those teams that they may be winning games, but we're not entirely sure all the time of how they're doing it? Um, I would say recently, yeah. I, 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 I think that there was a general perception a few games ago. That well, Sobersly, McAllister, these guys have clicked. 
they're they're playing well. Um, Nunez was in better form than he probably is now. Um, Salah, Salah is playing well. Two hundred goals at the weekend. We should note uh, for Liverpool, probably Liverpool's best modern modern era signing. Um, so I'm split. You're split between two schools at this point. First of all, we're not far enough on the season to to make kind of these these declarative statements. But it's here's the two schools. They haven't clicked yet. There's something not quite right. We talk, spoke about the Arsenal attack, etc. Uh, there's something not quite right about Liverpool. Or that's how you win titles. You grind out defeats away from home. That's that is such a tricky one, isn't it? Uh, well, like, how do you get like? So well, I remember the, the I remember the title running. How many games were there? Like, obviously Liverpool had the title wrapped up before the COVID break in 2020, before March. They really did, or effectively. Yeah. Um, but there was a lot of games. They went to Villa Park. They were losing 1-0, late, late goals. You know, there was late goals in other games. There was tight games at home. I remember at home to Leicester, there was a James Milner penalty. Like, it was not all plain sailing. It was not all easy. So how do you, how do you see systems breakdown, or not systems breakdown, but fault in the system, not playing well, but still winning, versus... That's how you win. You grind out results. So this is one of the moments where this league and, and European soccer in general as a thing, not having a postseason format is so important. And and I mean that in this sense. So Phil McNulty, what he said there about Liverpool, he said what they do have, though, is an ability to win football matches. And this has taken them to the top of the Premier League table. I have been grappling with the same exact thing just in another sport. You all know that I'm a obsessive Philadelphia Eagles fan. And the last two uh, weeks have been horrifying with oh my God. the way the Niners and Cowboys have just fully dismantled them. And all season long, the Eagles have looked weird. They were 10 and one, but it was a weird 10 and one. They hadn't really played. They hadn't for like we've been saying with Arsenal and Liverpool, they hadn't quote unquote clicked yet. And so you keep saying, well, they, but they find ways to win. That's every week. I, I was hearing the same line. Oh, they found a way once again. So that's fine. And that makes for fun viewing sometimes and dramatic finishes. But in, in a in a sport with a postseason format, that's not good enough because eventually you're going to play. You have no choice. A postseason format is designed where you have to beat the best teams to win. So if you have to play the Niners and Cowboys like the Eagles just did, those oh we just find a way. Well, that stuff gets exposed against good teams. But in the Premier League, can Liverpool or Arsenal go through an entire season where sure the two times that they play City, maybe some of those flaws will get exposed or here and there, but. That's not who you're playing to win a title. You're playing Luton and Sheffield and Nottingham Forest and Crystal Palace. So I think they can. Like, I think there is a chance where, like, look, City had their wobble and maybe they'll get it figured out. But if if Arsenal and Liverpool can just kind of keep <laughs> grinding out victories and finding a way to win, even if they're it's not their best, I think you can do it in a league where but there's no postseason. Now. One of those two are not doing, and we'll get to that game, they're not doing that anymore. They've just stopped doing it. Well, yeah. Um, and stop doing it twice now against Newcastle and now against Aston Villa. Um, I, I speak, of course, of Arsenal. Uh, so, so like they're not grinding it out. They're, there's a there's a new shark in the tank, Andrew. Is what I would say. Before we get to that new shark, just yeah. to, I, I, um, I agree with you. Uh, I, I, I do think you can one nil it. I do think you can you can grind and scrape those results out. And and teams in the past have been capable of, capable of it, but, um. If someone says they're not fully convinced by Liverpool yet, 
as I sit here on the 11th of December, I'm okay to say that I'm not 100% sure either. Yeah. Um, I saw I saw things I didn't think were great against City. I, I thought City were a step ahead, but now look at what City have been since that game. So Liverpool might not be the full package, but they might be enough of a package to win a title this year. Well, that that's, that's the, the other, other thing cycle. too, is like th- this season might be different. Like we talked about with Manchester City, they, they may find it again. They may get back on track, but like this already feels like a different kind of Manchester City season than what we've seen in the past. So this might be a year where you can grind it out. You don't need 97 points to win a title. This might be one of those seasons where you can do it under 90. So we'll see. By the way, before we get to the Villa Arsenal game, I did want to um I did want to mention one thing because we talked about this the other day. The um after the empty stands cup, I asked you about Liverpool and when their renovations will be complete. Actually, it seems like today today might actually be the answer. They're having a test event tonight, Monday night. Um, and if it goes well or went well by the time you listen to this, they should be good to go for Sunday against Manchester United. Now it won't be Brilliant. entire; it's not entirely done yet. So they're expecting if if this part of the stands are full, they'll have fifty seven thousand. Um, there's still a little bit left, and eventually, I think sixty one thousand is going to be what full capacity will be at this new refurbished Anfield. But yeah, all that empty stands that you see there, the next time you see them in action against United, they, those should be full. So thank you, you for go. that stands update. Yeah. Um, before I get off uh, Liverpool or Crystal Palace, Liverpool, I just want to say a couple of things. Um, first of all, the the VAR review on it, on Watari Endo, which was, it was clearly a foul in the run up to the penalty that was given. Um, what the referee is looking at for so long on the screen, I don't know. But it's it's just symptomatic of the doubt that VAR has put referees under, that they, they need to watch it a billion times, an obvious foul a billion times. Um, the uh, AU sending off, I didn't love that. I really didn't love it. I think Van Dijk has booted the ball at him. He is standing in the way deliberately, but Van Dijk has played him. So he's, okay, Van Dijk's been clever. He's mugged him off. Um, but the the second one, the second foul, what, people saying, well, Elliot's breaking. Where is he breaking? He's running towards the dugouts. Um, I, I like. I don't love it. I can see why it's given. I don't love it. And I just uh-huh. don't think that every foul has to be a yellow. And finally, um, Roy Hodgson, he, he, he's bereft. He was talking to uh, TNT afterwards, and um, his comments were basically along the lines, I'll have nothing to miss when I finally do live, leave football. He's frustrated with referees. He's frustrated with everything. It's been a tough month because um, he's had to apologize to Crystal Palace fans when they lost at Bournemouth. Um, he told them, he said something that I thought was fairly innocuous. Uh, Crystal Palace fans, fans have been spoiled over the last few seasons. Um, and that was in response to Palace fans booing the performance against Bournemouth. And then uh, he followed up by uh, apologizing uh, this is from Reuters. I am distressed by my comments and choice of word. I would be devastated if they didn't think I appreciated them. I can understand their frustration, so I owe them an apology because they've been so good to me during my five years at the club. Basically, the windswept Roy Hodgson looked every inch a man on the sideline, being interviewed by Rio Ferdinand, who wished he wasn't there and wished he hadn't come out of retirement for this. Oof, those are big statements. Now, I said that. I said that, and there was a couple of people online couple of our listeners quite rightly said, come on, JJ, let him, let him cook. Let him be, you know, let him come back in. I was like, you, you shouldn't go back. He had the perfect ending to his career at a club that he has such a tie to. And he did brilliantly for them. 
coming back, you're only going to tarnish that. There, you can't do better than that. And now they sit in 14th without a win in, uh, no win since November the 4th, four defeats and a draw in their last five. Eze out injured. Uh, he came back for this. Come on. Yeah. Um, so it's Liverpool once again finding a goal in stoppage time to win. In fact, actually, uh, I saw this at Opta analyst. Um, Harvey Elliott's goal saw Liverpool win a Premier League game with a last minute strike for the 17th time under Klopp, which interestingly, JJ, is now more than Sir Alex Ferguson, who I think his United teams were so known for that. Klopp has now passed him. Klopp's done it 17 times, um, had his team win in, in after the 90th minute score a winner of Fergie 16. There are two we'll, managers. Oh, go we'll, ahead. Will Klopp uh, ring up Fergie uh, like he did in the middle of the night when they won the league? <laughs> That's what Fergie said. Randy Fergie, I was in bed and Jurgen called me drunk <laughs> so, to celebrate. So uh, I wouldn't do that to Fergie. Jesus. No, no. So, so no. Klopp, so Liverpool teams under Klopp have scored winners in the 90th minute or later 17 times. There are actually two Premier League managers who have more to their name. You want to guess? Premier League late winners. One of them is is active currently. One of them is not. Can't be Moyes. It is. 20. Wow. Second most. There's one with more than him. And he's not active. Not active. Mm, foreign. Who? Or... Is he far, is he foreign oh. or is he English? Foreign or Scottish or foreign? Foreign. Wenger. Yeah, there you go. Twenty one. Twenty one. So Moyes could catch him. Moyes and Wenger together at last. <laughs> yeah. How about that? Um, let's move on now. JJ Aston Villa. We mentioned them earlier when we were talking. Uh, they hold off Arsenal. One uh, nil. It's interesting. I actually thought Arsenal played fairly well. So they many, did. so many near misses in this for them. So many quality scoring chances that they just did not convert. Um, and then one that they finally did in the 90th was disallowed somewhat controversially. That was also looked at for a long time. Um, Dale Johnson talked about it. it was the handball kind of on a goal mouth scramble. Uh, it was hard to see what had happened. It was You had to look at it many times to see whose hand it was, who wound mm. up scoring it. Was it Havertz or Enketia? Ultimately, it was Havertz's hand, and it was Havertz who converted it and scored it. And Dale Johnson said, if Eddie Enketia had been the scorer, the goal would count, as Havertz's accidental handball would be irrelevant. But it was clearly scored by the latter. It highlights the bizarre nature of the two-tier handball law, JJ. The, the ball accidentally touches a defender's arm, Matty Cash in this case, but there's no offense and he can play on. A second later, the ball accidentally touches an attacker's arm and he's now effectively locked out of being able to score a goal. Oh, it's crazy. The handball law. Oh, the handball law. We have, you know where I'm at with this now? And I've said many times that I just, I throw my arms up and I I just give up with what is or isn't. Whatever they decide, I, I accept it. We've tried breaking this rule down into just the finest of fine powders. But it's it's all nonsense. If it hits the arm first, if it's an unnatural position, if he's making his body bigger, ball to hand, hand to ball. We we have we have tried it all with this rule, and none of it really works. There's never going to be clarity. I would, you know, you know where I finally am. I would love it if like if you finally if we finally get to a point where we can open up the rule book 
for the Premier League and just turn to the section on handballs, and it's just five words. It just says, eh, let's just wait and see with like a shoulder shrugging emoji. And that's the whole section on handballs. Let's just see. Let's see what happens. Because yeah. that's that's I what think... it is. They can write it out however they want, but we are in full on. Let's just see what happens and we'll just we'll figure it out. Well, last well, last week in Europe, a definite penalty against Tino uh, Liveramento was not a penalty the next day in a, in a similar situation with Scott McTominay. So, you know, it wasn't a handball. It is a handball. Uh, I think we just, we need to get the boffins together, the eggheads, get them to give us one clearly defined rule. But they're, that's, then, but you're searching for something that doesn't exist. There exactly. Will never be oh, oh am I? Defined, there will yeah. never be a clearly defined rule for right. what is or is not a handball. There just that's, won't. That's, we've tried it all. Yeah. So and let's just see. As, and it's the same as uh, it's the same as so many things in football, so many gray areas. And what about Villa though? Um, I thought Arsenal played decent. I thought they I didn't think they were bad, but they were particularly blunt in the attack. And I think Martin Odegaard, he's going to look back at it, and I think there's two chances he'll want back desperately. And one of them was where he's in the box, he he's got defenders in front of him, but he's in such a good position, he fakes them right pushes it onto his left and then curls a weak shot that Martinez deals with. Um, but I think, Andrew, that we've talked enough about Arsenal. We will talk more about them. You know they're always going to be on, on the tip of our tongue. We don't talk enough about Villa. I did last um, week. I, How dare you? I saw. Oh, but listen, Villa are legit right now. Um, Aston Villa have become, this is from Opta, the fourth team to play the previous season's top two in consecutive Premier League matches and win them both. After Liverpool in December 2000, Southampton in May 2001, and Manchester United in December 2002. Statement. Um, can we play the John McGinn goal? Because from fullback position to wide midfield to the penalty box, it's it's one of the, one of the best goals you'll see uh, in the Premier League this season. Set on by Telemans, taken up by Bailey, driving at Gabriel. It's Leon Bailey. It's John McGinn. That noise as well at the whole yeah. end. That's yeah. why. And I thought actually, and I, I hate having to patronize uh, Peter Drury, but that was a good call. It wasn't too much. It was a good call. They are flying. That's good. I like that. He's um, very good. He is very good when he, you know, doesn't go to Prometheus Unbound or get deep in his poetry. Uh, but just John McGinn kind of sums it up a little bit for me. With Villa. Like, if I went back, rewind to the summer, Andrew, and I asked you, what big, what top six club is going to go and make a bid for John McGinn? Which one? I don't know that there would be one, yeah. Look how important he is to Villa. Mm -hmm. Look how he struggled, I would say, with Steven Gerrard. Not that he wasn't a good player, not that he couldn't produce, but he struggled under Steven Gerrard. The coach in Unai Emery's done there is is being brilliant. Yeah, players have been bought. They have, but the the coaching is just fantastic. It really is. And um I was thinking a bit more about Emery. And I think we can probably now say that close that chapter on the Arsenal thing after after the weekend. It was even if the the last decade of Wenger was sometimes our 
quite frequently toxic. It was still such a big ask for Emery to come in and, and resurrect Arsenal after him. And that failing in that job doesn't really represent his ability as a coach at all. And we've seen that now. Um, and, and my question to you is, how, how far can Villa push this? How far can they take this? Well, I saw they were a few, they're referring to it as the T word. We're not going to say the T word. They're not acknowledging that they're in any kind of title contention, which is no. probably smart. However, um, I mean, I don't, they're, they're fully in champions league contention. There's no question yeah. in my mind that they can stay in that race. Title contention is going to be, I think that's going to be very difficult. Um, I mean, look at you look at some of they the could. clubs around them. They just can't afford. Look, you never know. I mean, we've seen you know some of the seasons when Liverpool were going toe to toe with City. They were fortunate with with players staying healthy. It can happen. The year that yeah. Leicester City went on and won. I mean, look how healthy they remained all throughout. They pretty much had the same starting eleven. It felt like the whole season. So if if something like that should occur here and Villa can stay healthy and don't have to worry about dipping into what's on the bench, um, then who the hell knows? You know, uh, maybe, maybe they can stay in this race all the way until the end. I wouldn't say it's impossible, but that, that would be the part that would worry me that at some point, you know, guys drop out of form. You don't have the reserves on the bench. Like, like Doku goes down and Grealish is, uh, there's no drop off. If anything, they look, you know, he, he scored in his last two games. Um, De Bruyne is still going to come back. John Stones is still working his way back in for city. It's going to be hard for Villa to kind of stave off them. Um, Do you, yeah. Do you think if you're Jack Grealish, you would have you just to be part of this in your hometown, what they're doing right now? What a question. Whether you pass up that treble last year or just to be a part of it. Yeah, boy. So you're asking like what would mean more to Grealish, who was an Aston yeah. Villa kid, yeah. finishing, let's say, finishing fourth with Villa or completing a treble with city i think i know i think you want to think you know mm-hmm. i think there's a romantic in you that wants to believe villa is absolutely the answer i think so i i, I kind of feel that it that it would be for him if you were to give him truth serum i don't know i, I have him, no get idea get him drunk in a beta <laughs> i couldn't even muster a guess i'm not gonna try yeah, no, I think I can. Interesting. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. They're fun to watch. I mean, they really, it, it does feel like they're back when you see the atmosphere in that place and how loud it was. Yeah, it's, we'll see how far they can take this. It's pretty, pretty interesting. Uh, let's see, JJ Everton. We'll see how far they can, they can take this, even with their 10 point deduction. They're four points clear. Is that what you said of the, of the drop zone after yep. beating Chelsea 2 0? Um, we can get to the Everton side, but I saw Potch afterwards kind of, I mean, he just looked when the, when the whistle blew and they kind of panned to the sideline and his face, it's just a, it was just like a, a thousand yard stare, just blank. I just was looking at him thinking, what is he, what is going through his head right now? He kind of danced around the idea afterwards that Chelsea need to be active in the transfer window in January, which oh. I'm sure is exactly what Todd Bowley wants to hear after he spent over a billion pounds on this team since the summer of 2022. You know what I think. That's what I said the other day. And I saw Nicholas Jackson after the match, he had another bad game ball fell to him right in front of goal and just slow to kind of react to it. Um, 
he was after the final whistle, he he was angry, fighting. Who was it? Patterson for Everton. Something was going yeah. on between them. I mean, he's just like I said, like, I don't know. Maybe they need to dip into the window. My whole thing is I just want to see what they look like within Kunku back in the lineup before we start talking about having to like overhaul the squad again. I just want to see what they look like with with what was their most important signing playing. for them. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I get what you mean. I'm all about Everton from this game, though. Just, they've just been brilliant the last few weeks. They've been really, really good. Um, out of a like a hodgepodge of a squad that you would never construct, willingly construct, if you had the money, you just never do it. I'm going to have Ashley Young and Jack Harrison on the same side of the field. What? No, you just wouldn't do it. But they've been so well put together, uh, so well coached. You got to give Dice credit. You really do. We all wondered, was Dice kind of a throwback? Was he kind of a, almost a Sam Allardyce for this era? Um, but he's proven himself to be effective. The the team going into these games have been sixth best defense in England. Uh, he's been able to get, you know, young players to kind of contribute. Like, look at Jared, uh, Jared Branthwaite. I think he's 21. Was uh, Southgate there watching him? Um, I think he was at the weekend. Like he's been in fantastic form. Um, yeah, just uh, the ability for for him just to put put things together, get them, get it, get it, get a, a group of disparate entities together and make a team out of them. There's a stat, Andrew. Um, you can plot the dice effect. Uh, Everton non penalty expected goals difference. Uh, so there's the uh, there's a graph basically, and think of it like almost like a heart monitor beeping. And there's a red line relegation form. So from Lampard's appointment, it's kind of been there all the way in and along the relegation form, occasionally dipping up, but mostly under or just above it. And then Dice is appointed, and it it goes on a little bit like that. And then there's the Newcastle home game in April 2023, and that's some kind of a breaking point. And since that game, the turnaround, it's just spiked. The spiked up to the green line, which is above that, which is European form, is amazing. It's yeah. truly, I love, by the way, I love explaining graphs on a podcast. It really works. It works very well. It's so good. Um, but yeah, the spike has been just quite incredible under Dice. And, and he deserves so much credit for it. And um, yeah, uh, I still don't think in the truest sense of the word, that Everton are a good team. Is this a good squad? I would still say no. Uh, I would still say no, but uh, you cannot doubt what what they've been able to pull together. And again, Harrison, McNeil, uh, guys like that have been been really, really good for Dyche. And, um, you know, Everton fans should feel great. Dock 10 points, and they literally took that 10 points, chewed it up, and spat it back at the Premier League. And said, what do you got for me next? 20? Because I might struggle with that, but try me. Try me. Well, easy. Easy there. Um, Let's see. JJ Manchester United continue to be able to (laughs) just take momentum and talk about throwing things right back at the Premier League. Manchester United, take take our momentum. Chelsea stink. Oh, yeah. Stink. Yeah. I've moved on. I'm on to United, JJ. Talking about United and how they have lost 
I know, so, but it's just a reflection. You know, the feel-good win for United is suddenly just obliterated by Czech's notes, Bournemouth. So, Bournemouth. Um, I just want to talk about them for a sec because this has happened quietly, but there's something going on there. So they got clobbered by Man City, 6-1, back on November 4th. Since then, and maybe we saw that score, 6-1, Bournemouth, oh boy, okay, we don't have, we don't have to think about them again. But since then... They've beaten Newcastle. They beat Sheffield United. They drew with Villa. Only when Villa and Ali Watkins scored in stoppage time to equalize. They beat Palace, and now they just beat United 3-0 at Old Trafford. There's something going on where this manager, Andoni Arriola, has had time, and it's starting to happen for them. You watch the way they play. I, I, I've got to believe that they're probably one of the most frustrating teams to play against you use the word scrappy earlier when we were talking yeah. about Luton you could I mean, find a synonym I mean it's kind of a similar thing with this side the way they press with how pesky they are in that middle third they've got the the third most tackles of any club in the middle third of the field seventh in tackles in the attacking third same as Liverpool by the way more than City fourth in ball recoveries they just do all the things that a team would do that you wouldn't want to play against. That would just be annoying and frustrating. And they've taken to it watching them on the counter for two of the, for two of their goals in this game with Solanke with the form that he's in right now. Um, They are, this was not a fluke that they went to old Trafford. In fact, it was very nearly four nil, but like another lengthy VAR review on a handball Wiped away oh. a fourth goal for Bournemouth in stoppage time. I mean, this was this was not a fluke. United were booed off the pitch. Bournemouth earned this one. They left no doubt, at least on this day, who the better team was. Um, and it's you got to give Iriola credit because this did not look like it was going to be heading this direction. And they took a horrifying beat down and in the blink of an eye, turned it around and have caught fire since. And now you know, I- in a season that might have been steamrolling towards relegation, they look like they might be one of the clubs that is kind of aiming now more for mid-table. Exactly. And they headhunted one of the best young managers in European football. And people were surprised when he went there. I suppose not. Is anyone surprised about anyone going to the Premier League anymore? I don't no. think we, I don't think we can be anymore. No, we can't be. You're right. You're right. But still, the fact that he rocked up there was, it raised some eyebrows. Uh, Dominic Solanke said, I think we've just started clicking. Um. And we've definitely started gelling in the last few weeks. It showed on the pitch. Iriola then also just, he did a, a Brendan Rodgers. This is the second time this has happened to United in the last like two years, where a manager in a press conference basically comes out and says, this is how you beat them. And it's like, God, um, they sent a lot of players forward so you will get spaces. We knew they would make our wingers run backwards, but we knew we when we could recover high, our forwards would have space. We knew in transitions that we would have our chances and we took them. So, um, yeah, because there was a lot, I, there was a Man United fan listener saying, you know what, well, we, we actually, we didn't play that badly. We had plenty of the ball, blah, blah, blah. I mean, come on. Yeah. It was basically, it was, you basically played into the Iriola trap. And, um, and I don't know how this gets better for United. I, I truly do not. They just we can't string some- wins together. They can't, but like it's it's deeper than that. You can say you can talk about the Glazers and like structurally, United are all wrong. We we know this. The football operation is wrong, but this this manager has been backed. He wanted a boatload of money for Anthony. He got it. He wanted to buy this keeper. He got it. And then the next thing, he's going after uh, Amrabat. 
Amrabat's been a fine player for Morocco. I can't say I saw much of him in Syria, so I really can't comment. Andrew, he looks so slow and off it. It's scary. Like, he doesn't look like a Premier League footballer. No, he may find his legs, whatever, but I just don't see it. Like, what point do they just... I mean, Gary never called it ridiculous that Ten Hag would be sacked, but we, we saw it under Van Hal. We saw it under Mourinho. There comes a breaking point at this club where the board are like, ah, this this isn't good. And I, I can tell yeah. you how much they make, even when they're bad, and they do make a lot, but... Well, hopefully, point, hopefully it's about more than just that. But, nah, for the owners, it doesn't appear to be the case. Yeah. Uh, finally, I don't have much on this. I just wanted to give a quick shout-out to Fulham. Because if you're, if you're sitting down for the weekend and you just want to watch a game with goals... Fulham right now is your pick. Back-to-back 5-0 wins, which came on the back of scoring three and losing against Liverpool. And before that, they scored three and one against Wolves. Um, and fun goals, too. I mean, they scored five goals in this game on a 2.63 XG. That's that's like a high-quality goal that they're scoring there. Um, Harry yeah. Wilson playing really well. Roel Jimenez Great scoring goal. again. Um, so right now, if you're looking for goals on your on your Saturday or Sunday mornings, Fulham. Fulham, As for West Ham, uh, Moyes out was trending just a few days after beating Tottenham. Yeah, after right. People, I mean, people got to relax a little no. bit. He, he no. won them a trophy a few months ago. He beat Spurs midweek. You know, they come back. Yeah, a, a tough turnaround maybe for Full. I don't know. Moyes out? Yep. Uh, I, I have an issue with that. I kind of do too, but he's never been 100% comfortable there. No, you're right. Despite what, doesn't matter what he's done, whether he's seen as a, a representation of the ownership or whether he's seen as a, a, a regressive manager. Uh, West Ham have, they like him. They they like him quite a lot when they're doing well. But the minute there's a couple of run of games or a bad result, that's it. He's he's getting pelters. Yeah. Um. So there you go. That's the Premier League. Um, we um. Yeah. Sorry to cut across you. I'm doing that a lot today. I apologize. Right. No, no, no. Yeah. Uh, are we are we doing Michael Owen's anecdote? Oh, sure, yes, yes, yes. But, I mean, I think we should. Uh, can you can you play this? This is him talking to uh, the uh, the Upfront podcast. Yes, the Upfront podcast, which is hosted by a talk sport presenter and former owner of Crystal Palace. You know, everything was a challenge. I'd eat an apple in the you know watching the the, the TV at night. Right. And the bin would be by the TV, you know, six meters away or whatever it was. And well, I would just do it. I had the bravery to to miss, and for there to be a stain on the wallpaper, and my mum right. to absolutely scream at me and send me upstairs. I wasn't cocky at all, but the next day I'd do the same, and I'd be bump, and it'd go right in the middle. And my dad'd give me a nod of approval, and my mum would be seething but couldn't say anything because it went in. Um, and that confidence, that sort right. of daring yeah. that nod of approval that I I don't want to get bollocked by my de- by my mum here but oh God, I'm desperate for a nod of it like a little wink to say from my dad to say bloody hell you cocky little you know uh, and that's what I always yearned as a kid that was Michael Owen talking to Simon Jordan Andrew um wow I, I mean think... it's hilarious but there's so many questions so can I just begin with the first one who puts a trash can Beside their TV. Yeah, I was trying to figure out the layout of the room. So there's a tra- the TV is against the wall. The tr- there's a trash can against the wall. 
The second question, which was uh, posed on the internet, was why didn't his mother, if she's said about stains, apple core stains on the wallpaper, why not move the trash can? The next thing, the words he used, the daring, the confident. So this is where I have an issue. I think he's working a little too hard at finding a thing that is entirely common among every child on planet Earth. I think he's working too hard at finding one of those things from his own life to show the bravery that was instilled within him at a young age. Every kid has that story. Yes. Yes. Um, and an acknowledgement from a parent is a real thing. Sure. Uh, <laughs> some of the headlines, though. Oh, yeah, the yearning, the words of you. I yearn for that. Here's another thing. I don't know about you. Maybe you are. Are you an everyday Apple guy? No. I like no. them, but I mean three a month two a month i don't know right who in the who is the, who is eating apples at a rate enough for this to be like an event in the house michael's eating apples again i'll turn the tv on you know like it's it's just so weird it's just odd and by the way that amount of apples you know if you eat the granny smith or or, or one of those type of apples you get that you get diarrhea you know you, yeah it's yeah. Yeah, you gotta a, look out for that. Maybe he's maybe he's a suffers with that, but it's worth it for the incredible the yearning. Like I, I agree with you. I think we're at a point now, and I've noticed it a bit with Roy Keane and the different platforms he's on, where Roy Keane is telling the same story over a few times in the last two years, and it still gets clicks and it still gets likes. And I think we have such a saturation of ex-footballers telling either banter traumatic stories or stories of redemption right that we they're straining themselves every sinew to find some new angle that they can make content out of yeah like we are, think, we're working too hard to sh- to display the bra- our bravery oh my god if this is throwing an apple core into a trash bin look how brave it, the, the number of stories i could tell you about the is Luke brave? Oh, the bravery he's shown for the number of times he's punched me in the nuts. Oh, what bravery from a four-year-old. And when I was four, I knew there was a chance that, that he'd come back at me, but I was brave. I mean, it's it's uh, once a week he does that. Is he going to be telling this story on a podcast one day? By the way, between the chair and your son smashing you in the nuts, you're putting yeah. your gonads through it's, some it's serious a fragile power. existence. It's a fragile existence. <laughs> yeah. You should That's speak to You, you got to get Owen on again. Because he was oh. a great interview last time. It's one of my favorite interviews we've done in a while, uh, or yeah. that you did. Um, I, I'd love to go deeper on on this. Just to give us the layout of the room. Is this in the kitchen? Is the TV in the kitchen, maybe? And he just didn't make that clear? I don't know. Lots of questions. Uh, yeah, no, it sounded like the living room. That's what I thought, too. Uh, at any rate, it's a good find. In the living room. It's a good find there. That's very interesting. And, of course, the, one of the memes that have, has come out of it is, you know, there's the meme where there's the girl lying in bed concerned and the guy with his back to her yeah, and, is she, and it's is he thinking about other women and he's thinking why was there a trash can beside the television <laughs> why didn't she just move the trash can let's all let's all have a good think about this during the break we'll be right back on the other side a little bit of mls cup 
uh, discussion. Patrick Schulte, goalkeeper for the 2023 MLS champion Columbus Crew, joins us next. More caught offside still to come. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Oh, back now on Caught Offside, J.J., have a champion Columbus crew they win their second MLS Cup in the last four years third overall uh congratulations to them in front of their home fans and um you know we we both picked we had the right score we both said 2-1 so we we were half right we just had the wrong champion in LAFC uh so I'm wondering kind of with that what surprised you with this um I, I thought Columbus were were excellent I thought they they carried the most threat. I thought their game plan was executed the best. And we just had this feeling that uh, they're going to commit people forward and low percentage possession, LAFC are going to do them. They're going to catch them. And it kind of never happened. Not really. And, okay, you can look at the shots on target, five shots on target each, but the only time I felt, uh-oh, are they beginning to tick was, was actually when LAFC got that goal. Otherwise, I mean... I was just really, really comfortable in what Columbus were doing. I think I think the home crowd was such an advantage. I really do. I thought they created an amazing atmosphere there. Um I I never really never really worried after Columbus went 2-0 up. And that and that in an MLS game is a huge thing to say. Uh considering the swings that you can have. Considering the swings that uh Columbus even saw themselves when they went 2-0 down to Cincinnati and had to come back. Yeah, I think some of the things that maybe we got lulled into with LAFC had to do with the the previous opposition. Like the thing about the crew that's different, like Ryan Hollings had talked about how, you know, we'll concede possession. Sure, go ahead, have 70% of the ball, but what are you going to do with it? Well, against Seattle, against Houston, yeah, I think that that's true. Uh, those teams don't have a cutting edge that can necessarily take advantage of the opportunities that they're presented with. But you give Columbus that amount of possession, they're going to score. They're yeah. going to score goals. Uh, and they, like, it's, they, they were shut out twice all season, once in April and once in August. And these playoffs leading up to this game, they'd scored 13 goals in five games, two and a half, over two and a half goals per game in this postseason for Columbus. So like, it's, it's a very easy thing to say that against teams that don't have the sort of attacking personnel that a team like Columbus has. They're going to get goals. And I talk, I talk Columbus were able to pick passes. Like the pass on the second goal is one of the best passes you'll ever see. Oh my God. Oh, how good was that? That is just, that is just absolutely gorgeous. And 
you know, LAFC weren't compact. Like we thought they would be. We thought they'd be difficult to to defend against and um or difficult to attack against. And they were the exact opposite of that. And there there is a shot just after uh, Yeboah scores that it's a brilliant finish too. Draws the keeper outside of the boot. Great finish of Chiellini just coming into shot. Like he's nowhere. He's nowhere. They got absolutely opened up down that down the right hand right hand side. Like and there's even a massive gap between Chiellini and the centre back that's come across the cover. It's it was far too easy. Also, Columbus starting with the penalty, Andrew. Um, talk about handing an advantage to them. Literally handing it to them. Can't do that. It's it's a clear penalty for me. Um, a tough one though, because it is one of those off the chest. Yeah, yeah, but it's which, I mean, which adds it, it a layer of complication. It, it does, but it almost feels like it double touched his hand um, when it was in the air. All the things I thought LAFC would be to kind of to spring the counter, they weren't. They weren't compact. They weren't well organized, and um, and Columbus's game plan worked to a treat. And Wilfred Nancy was, I mean, he was he was vindicated and all he's done all season. People were talking, is can you win playing like this? Can you win with that commitment to attack? And clearly you can. Uh, well, I'll tell you what, JJ, let's continue talking about Columbus and their, uh, their 2023 MLS Cup title. And let's do so right now with one of the stars of the team of this entire run of this season, really. Their goalkeeper, Patrick Schulte, joins the show now. Patrick, what's up, man? How are you? I'm I'm great. Uh, li- living a good life right now. Um, thanks for having me on. Yeah. So I wanted to ask you about that specifically. Living the good life right now. Can you can you take us behind the scenes of what the days following a title look like? What what happens after the game? Where do you go? Who are you hanging with? Can you can you just help us live vicariously through this moment? I'll try my best. Um, you know, right right after the game, it's obviously you're filled with you know a bunch of emotion, a bunch of um, a bunch of joy, just you know, being grateful for you know all the hard work, um, the position that that you're in, um, but as well as celebrating you know with with all the guys that you've been um, working hard for the last eleven months with, um, and obviously from from my standpoint, I had a lot of friends and family in the crowd, um, so so being able to celebrate you know as much as I could with them, um, kind of right after you know the celebrations on the field um, with with your teammates um, took place, so you know. So it's been a lot of that, honestly, just sober, celebrating with friends that, you know, came up and uh, little, some of the family that stuck around the past two days. Um, and then just, you know, hanging out with hanging out with all the guys and just, you know, sharing the memories that, you know, you created either that night or after the game or in the locker room, um, you know, because it's, it's more of a like a college recap of the Sunday after a night out. out <laughs> that's like the last two days. Um, I, I like at 22. You you couldn't have foreseen this, like like are you are you pinching yourself? Are you looking around? Have I actually done this? Yeah, you know I I to tell my friends um, the past couple of days it still like doesn't feel real to me. Um, obviously, I at growing up and you know being in the situation um, and playing you know in, in games, you know I, I set a high bar for myself, so I, I always you know knew that this team and, and myself could, you know, win an MOS cup. But um, now that it's happened, it, it still doesn't feel like it's, it's real to me yet. Um, I, I don't think it'll feel real until I kind of go home and just like kind of can relax and just and process everything that that's happened. 
along the lines of that sort of pinch me mentality, I wanted to ask you specifically about something that happened late in the match. So it, it's, I think it's the 89th minute and you had a moment where Giorgio Chiellini knocks into you and you go down and he seemed irate. And I'm wondering if in that moment, you're kind of thinking to yourself, I'm here winding up Giorgio Chiellini in the dying moments of a cup final that my team is about to win right now. Look at my life. Do you, do you have time to think that as that's transpiring? I honestly didn't think about it until after um, someone, someone mentioned it to me, like, you know, you, you had Chiellini fired up and <laughs> to kind of think to kind of sit there and think about it. Like, you know, one, I was sharing, sharing the field with such a legend um, and, and I think that's what's, you know, so great about this league is becoming is, you know, we're getting, you know, bigger and bigger players each and every uh, year. Um, and just being able to share a pitch with, with, with guys like these is, is something that I always, you know, remember forever. But to to play against him and kind of wind him up in a cup final, like never would I have thought that I would, you know, be able to do that. But, you know, it, it just puts a smile on my face to, you know, know a player like that that I grew up watching that I have so much respect for um, to kind of wind them up in, in, in a situation like that. It, uh, yeah, it just honestly puts a smile on my face and, you know, I'm forever grateful for it. As you reflect on, on the final and, and the conference final, um, which, which game did you feel more pressure in? Because you had a, you had a local derby, you go two nil down in it um, and you have to claw your way back. And then you have a final, which one, which one kind of hit you the most? Um, that's, that's a tough question because I think, I think in each way it's, you know, they both kind of hit me, you know, it's to be, you know, MLS cup champion obviously is, is the end goal one. So I, you know, that feeling is, there's no better feeling, but that Eastern conference final game was, was crazy. Um, and, and, you know, in the Derby match being down to, oh, like you said, you know, and coming back and winning an extra time away at their place. Um, I think it meant a lot for not just the team, but for the city as well. Um, you know, cause you know, these, these fans are, you know, they love the Columbus crew and, you know, there's no one that they hate more than, than Cincinnati. Um, and so, right. you know, to do that at their place to win a trophy on their field. Um, it wasn't just for us. It was, it was for the city. Um, and it was more of an opportunity, opportunity to now then host an MLS cup in front of them. And, um, so I think I think that one was special because it added more um, to this to be able to do more for the city um, than than the final did. Can yeah. I ask you what was what was said? Sorry, Andrew. What was said at halftime? Like, I mean, to to come back from that um, against against a bitter rival. Was there something specific that was said that that inspired that comeback? Yeah, I mean, Wilfred just. He's as cool as can be always. Um, no matter no matter the stage of the no matter the stage, the situation, um, you know, he keeps the same demeanor. And, you know, everyone was kind of a little frustrated because we had the ball, we were creating chances, we just didn't score and we gave up a late one right before the halftime whistle. So um, no, guys were guys were frustrated, but he came in and was just like, guys, last time we played uh, in Cincinnati, we were down two out half. We came came back, made it two two. Um and, you know, we, we wound up losing 3-2, but we were always on the front foot and we were able to come back. And he kind of just came in, like I said, cool and calm and just kind of said that and was like, guys, we just need one goal, change the momentum, 
Um, let's just focus on getting that one goal. And everyone kind of like realized his, you know, demeanor um, and how calm and confident he was. And everyone kind of just started to rally around that. And then, you know, going out into halftime in our halftime huddle, um, our captain, Darlington Nagby, uh, who, you know, we all play for, um, was just such a legend. He broke down and was just like, guys, like we got this, you know, he was crying like tears in his eyes. Mm-hmm. And, and at that, in that moment, I was like, I was like, there, there's, we're not losing this game. Um, and, and he wouldn't let us lose that game just, you know, with, with how emotional and how, how driven he is. Yeah. I, I wanted to ask you about him specifically. I mean, there are a lot of key pieces on this team, certainly no doubt, but him in particular, can you describe some of the ways in which Darlington Nagby is so vital to this team? Yeah, I think, you know, the first and foremost is he's a baller. He's, I, he's one of the, if not the best midfield, um, midfielder the you know play in the MLS and uh, American wise you know I think he's he's one of the the best to ever do it um and so I, I think that you know just his play in general one um but then as well as his leadership of just being that calming you know no mo- no things ever too big for him um and you know he's playing bad he's playing good Do- it doesn't matter he stays the same um each and every day he's, he's putting in the work and you know when he, he doesn't say a whole lot um he doesn't say a whole lot in terms of like motivational stuff, but when he does, you know, that's when you really know like that he means it. He's, he's there. He, he wants the best for the group. Um, so honestly, it's just, he's got so much respect in this locker room that, you know, we go as he goes. Apart from saving the ball, which is your primary job, let's be honest. That's what a goalkeeper has to do. We, we, we've heard a lot about Wilfred Nancy about, about the way this team plays, but, in terms of, say there's a cross coming into the box, you catch it, you're looking to break. What are you specifically told by the manager? Like, what's your role in terms of, of, of starting things? What's the key principles that you have to do? Because the days of booting the ball down the field are gone. You you now have to initiate attacks. What do you do, Patrick? Yeah, it, it's taken a lot, um, a lot of learning moments and a lot of conversations with Wilfred. Um, but the one thing he always tells me is, is be uh be courageous, be brave. Um, he goes and enjoy picking them apart. Um, and he goes, you know, don't, you're not a 10, but you're a playmaker. You're another center back. Um, right. And so just, you know, ha- him having that trust and confidence in me, um, it's, it's given me a lot of, you know, relief off my shoulders that he's like, you're going to make mistakes. You're going to turn the ball over, but this is how I want you to play. Um, so, you know, just, I'm always looking for outlets, looking, you know, looking ways that we, I can exploit them or the team can um, exploit our opponent. And so just, you know, have, but it starts with, you know, him having that trust in me and, and the team that, you know, we're going to play the way he wants to play and, and that's all he wants. Um, so I just, you know, sometimes I get caught up in the moment and I have to like, you know, take myself back a couple of steps and like, all right, be brave, be courageous. You know, this is how he wants me to play, go out there and do it. And, and just kind of go back to the basics of what we do on the training pitch. So is your natural instinct sometimes if you see something that's on not or something that's risky, is your natural instinct as a keeper, don't do that. Wait a few seconds. Whereas he's encouraging you to do it. Yes. hundred percent. You know, there's, I, there's been times this year that, you know, it's been, you know, Kucho out on the break, but it's a two V one, but you know, he's got a little bit of space and he'll, he'll laugh and be like, play this ball. I want you to play it. If it doesn't come off, it doesn't come off, but I see the idea and I see the intention that um, you're wanting to do, or, 
you know, if they're, you know, stepping their center backs and someone makes a ball in behind, but I have a short pass I can play to our center back. You know, he's like mix it up, the different variations, play that ball in behind um, to keep everyone honest. Um, so kind of just finding the balance of, you know, keeping the ball as well as taking risk and, you know, um, the risk reward aspect of it all as well. As a modern goalkeeper, that massive save you made against Cincinnati to make sure it didn't go to 3-0 because I, I, that felt like an insurmountable mountain. You saved that one. Which gives you more pleasure, a big save or pinging a pass 35 yards out to Kucho or, or to Rossi or someone and finding them on the break? I, I it's ooh, that's tough. Honestly, it depends the situation. But like that Cincinnati, um, the save that I had, obviously in that moment, uh, I'll, I'll take that because obviously, like you said, you know, three zero down, it's it's a bigger bigger mountain to climb, and um, so in that moment, uh, I'll t- I'll take a big save. But you know, a thirty yard ping pass to start a counter attack to you know score a goal and make it two zero or one zero, uh, I'll, I'll take that because that's that's what we're. My job is to save a shot, but, you know, when you, I can get an assist or, you know, start something like that, it's it makes me feel good. The Patrick, modern goalkeeper, Andrew. <laughs> Patrick, of course, like one of the, the big running narratives with Columbus Crew as as a franchise, as a, as a club, is the whole Save the Crew movement because it created such a special bond between the club and the city. That connection between team and fans, does, does it feel unique even to you guys who have been on other teams before and experienced different atmospheres? Is, does this feel different because of that? Yeah, I mean, this is this is my first professional, you know, organization. So I, I came in and, you know, that that's all I heard was, you know, how, you know, the fans and the team and the city were all kind of connected as one because because of the process of Save the Crew. Um, and, you know, we feel it, you know, you know, when guys – uh, when Austin or fans, you know, like like Don Garber at the game, you know, the, they they don't let they don't let they don't forget things. Um, but when Michael Bradley was playing, you know, every time he touched the ball, you know, they're booing because of what he's done and said about uh, the crew in the past. Um, and so, so you know, we feed off that. Um, we feed off their energy, and yeah, I think you know, us playing at home that we we built a fortress there, but it starts with them. Um, and we, I can't thank them enough because you know, they're they're incredible, and you know they've they've taken me in with open arms. When you have supporters like that that are so invested in the football team, that care so much about it, like it must be unbelievable the the wave of emotions when you win. Um, so, so when I was watching the pictures at the weekend, I thought I just thought about Major League Soccer for a second, and I thought. How could how could anyone want to leave that? That is so special. Like that feels like the the peak of professional football. But at some point, people players do they develop they go on. Have you what what's your ambitions for the future? I mean, twenty two and an MLS Cup uh, champion starter for one of the storied franchises in the game in America. Is there is there something else in the back of your mind? You're thinking, well, I want to go further. Yeah, you know, I obviously want to you know, achieve, achieve a lot. You know, I, I don't, I set high bars for myself. Um, and, you know, I don't, I don't know where my journey is going to take me, but I, I joke with Darlington now I'm, I'm three, uh, three trophies away from, you know, catching him. Um, so I, I, I just want to achieve all that I can achieve and, you know, wherever that's at, you know, I'll be, I'm grateful for it. Um, but yeah, you know, I want to, I want to reach the highest bar, you know, obviously U S national team, 2026 world cup. Like, you know, I have those, 
those things in mind. And, you know, I'd, I'd love to have the opportunity to, to do those, but you know, for me, it's, you know, it's one day at a time, um, one year, one season, um, and just kind of, you know, taking it all in and, and soaking in, you know, each experience that I get. Well, Patrick, great stuff. Uh, what a, what a breakout season this was for you. All the best moving forward. We can't thank you enough for giving us some time in the wake of this and, uh, enjoy, enjoy whatever it is that is next, the parade, the off season, all that drink it in good stuff, man. Thanks again. Uh, thank you guys for having me. Great stuff. Patrick Schulte. What a future. Amazing. I mean, what a present, obviously. I mean, he, he was such a star. That's what I meant with my question. Like you, it just feels, it feels such a a great thing to be able to say a guy could probably look to have a, a career in soccer in America and fully satisfy a lot of dreams and ambitions just by playing in MLS. Like that was, that was yeah. special the other night. It really was. Yeah. Very cool. Um, so building off his comments, yeah, I've been thinking about Columbus and this run that they just went on winning this title and who who kind of has gained the most here. There were a couple names that really hit me, but one of them he really discussed in, in some detail there, and that's Darlington Nagby. I think he elevates to another level with this one. I mean, you, you heard Patrick describe him as maybe the greatest midfielder MLS has seen. Um, not a lot of four-time MLS Cup champions. Landon Donovan has more with six. Uh, Jeff Agus, Todd Donovan, and Brian Mullen had five. And then, wow. and then here come Nagby's next. There's a few other guys before, but you know, you can just see it. Like he's so revered among his teammates. It's not a coincidence, JJ, that he has gone to a, a number of different places and won at each of them. And I'm kind of, you know, we, we talked about it on this podcast years ago. I mean, God, we almost 10 years now. I remember, you know, us team sheets coming out and Nagby not being on it and him kind of being, not really wanting to. He didn't really want to pursue a national team career. He spoke about, you know, back in, what was it, 2020? Or I forget when it was, saying that he didn't really want, like he was more interested in spending that time with his family than going off and being gone for a month, two months at a World Cup. You know, that wasn't really a route that he wanted to take. And I always wondered, because you can watch when he plays. He's brilliant. He's such a great player. You always wondered, because he didn't have those accolades and his name in lights with Team USA, was that always in some way going to hold him back? And I hope that getting this fourth MLS Cup, I hope that this allows him to break through and you know become like truly the household name among soccer fans in this country that he deserves to be because he is every bit as good as those guys who were playing midfield for a lot of those U.S. teams. It was just not a route that he wanted to take. But he's such a great player, and I'm glad that he's getting his due now. Yeah, and I remember him as being kind of part of the U.S. soccer culture war where there were so many people in 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 uh, U.S. soccer media, so many supporters who were like, we, "This guy has to play for the U.S. We have to." Like, I mean, he only became a citizen in 2015, but I remember a clamor immediately after that for him to start games regularly. Yeah. He is revered. He is. Uh, he's carved out an amazing career for himself, and he's he's still at 33, a very very capable footballer. Yeah, Aiden Morris said about him afterwards. Uh, I was reading at MLSsoccer.com. He said every word that comes out of that this guy's mouth, it's just special to me. I mean, that's that's the clout that he has in that room and in every room that he's been in. He's he's just that kind of leader. Uh, also, gaining the most from this, I mean, look, Wilfred Nancy. I mean, the guy's name has just skyrocketed up the charts of current MLS head coaches in terms of the way he's viewed. I mean. It, 
the success he experienced with Montreal and then coming to Columbus and turning around a team that missed the playoffs back-to-back years, the way they play, attacking, front foot, it's it's what you want when you go to a game, when you turn on a game. I mean, honestly, JJ, if you were an expansion team right now and you could pluck any manager in the league for that club, how many names are you saying right now before his? Like, I, I feel like Jim Curtin is still in the mix because we've seen him because he built a culture. That's that takes time to do that. Maybe Wilfred Nancy will do that too. You know, Chirondolo's in the mix because back-to-back MLS Cups, they've been in a lot of finals. But I mean, Nancy, he he's in that group now, I feel like, with this. No, a thousand percent. And also, what's he going to bring to any other club that gets bums on seats? It's excitement. It's exciting football. He's it's it's not just enough now to be a winning coach. I think you have to win in a certain way, and he definitely <laughs> does that. Yeah. I I I firmly believe that. I'm just yeah. thinking of uh, a lot of managers that get a lot of flack, that, but they win. And he's he takes all those boxes, and um, and he's a young coach too. Uh, he's he's top of the tree right now. Yeah, yeah, he really is. Um, and then one other name I was thinking of. It's so funny the way life works. So it's like it's a few years ago. I'm in my fantasy Premier League team. I'm dealing with some injuries in my squad, and so I'm kind of like combing through the waiver wire. Oh, Cucho Hernandez, he he scored over the weekend. I think yeah. Let, all right, let's see. And like, you know, ride my bench. He gets in every once in a while. Like here we are, three years later, and this like fringe Watford striker is now like an MLS superstar, MVP of MLS Cup final. It's just. I was just like watching it over the weekend and saying, this is the same guy who was like at Watford a couple of years ago. Yeah. It's just like a random Premier League dude. And now he's like, in so- again, in soccer households, he's like a household name now. It's just such a fun story. Andrew, he has an outstanding journeyman career for a 24-year-old. <laughs> uh, Deportiva Pereira, Granada, America de Cali, Lone, Watford, Huesca, Lone, Mallorca, Lone, Etafe, Lone, Columbus Crew. What a list. And he could stay, he, if he wants to be with, that journeyman could end now. Like, if he wants to be a, a, a mainstay of the crew for the next 10 years, <laughs> who's to say that that won't happen? It's it's incredible. It's really cool. Yeah. Good for him. And uh, and, and he got the name Cucho at a young age uh, when his uh, father shaved his head. And it uh, bared a resemblance to Esteban Cucho Cambiaso, who has a special <laughs> place on this podcast. He sure does. That's who our most valuable player is named after. Um, and then, so congrats to Columbus. What a triumph, two titles in four years, three overall. Um, but I didn't want to get out of this without, without at least diving a little bit into the LAFC side because right. man, three losses in cup finals this season alone, uh, 53 games. That's a lot of physical and maybe even more so emotional wear and tear for one team over the course of a single season. And now they take that into what is probably the most interesting offseason of any club in the league. Yes. So the big questions for them. I mean, obviously, you know, there's the Chiellini one. What does he want to do? But he, he's going to be 40 years old. The, the big ones are probably Vela and Boanga. So Vela is out of contract. He's going to be 35 years old. And I don't know. I wonder what you think. I don't know what the good outcome is with this one. Because obviously, look, he's the best player in the history of the club and one of the best players in the history of the league. Losing that is a is a brutal blow. However, he's he's getting older. And I think I think you saw some of it at the end of this season. You know, the, like I just said, the number of games that they played, his production in the latter part of the season wasn't quite up to some of the standards that he set for himself. On August 23rd, 
JJ, August 23rd, he scored a goal against the Colorado Rapids and then didn't score again. He registered an assist in LAFC's first playoff game versus Vancouver and then didn't have another one the rest of the postseason. Didn't mean that he was ineffective or not a good player, but he's right. he's a numbers guy. He like you get tangible goals, assists. He does those things. And it, it can't go on forever. And the wear and tear is significant. A 53-game season, three cup final defeats, it's a lot. So is the what is the good outcome here? You do you want him back, or maybe is this the right time? We always say one of the hardest things to do is to understand when it's time to say goodbye to a legend. Is this maybe the right time where the where LAFC kind of get together and say, we need to remake ourselves and this might be the way to do it is to kind of let him go. Well, I, he's still such an influential player or certainly an, influ, an influence in the locker room. The, the question is, do you want to go down the road that Columbus went down when they said, look, we're, we're, we're committed to losing Zellerian, but we will find a way to make the team productive and and that's the question LAFC have right now. Is there that many players out there that can replace this guy though, Andrew? Like it's it's tricky. Um I I'd be of the personal opinion it might be time to let him go. Yeah, kind of wondering that too. Or unless but, he's willing to is he someone who's willing to accept sort of a reduced role? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I mean, he might have to occupy a DP spot for them. I don't know. It's going to be interesting. I, I don't, there's not an easy answer. I feel like to that. Um, and then Bowanga is the other one. So he made some comments after the game that were more, oh, no. more than a little eye opening and made you wonder, cause he's under contract, but he's, I mean, you can only read into it one way. He is feeling this pull to return to Europe. He was asked if he has an interest in going back to Europe and he was kind of clear on it. He said, it's a possibility. Yeah. I leave that to the other people. Even if I have a few years left on my contract here, I just have to say that I'm really happy at LAFC, very happy here, but yeah, it's a possibility. I have to return to Europe. I let the club and my agents figure all that stuff out. But as I said, I'm very honored to have worn this Jersey and to have played for this institution here. Oh, that sounds, Oh, no, 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 no. A little bit of past tense stuff there. Oh, don't I did. That would be, oof. So John Thornton, his, he was then told about it and told what Bolonga's comments were. And Thorrington said, um, he's under contract. He's the top goal scorer in the league. He's a huge part of how we play. So our plan is absolutely he's under contract for another few years and that he'll be back. We never know what may happen, but it's going to be a hugely, hugely expensive transfer fee if he's not here next year. So here we go. My guess is he'll be back next I mean, year, how, but yeah. How huge is it going to be for a 29 year old? Hmm. Yeah, you're right. Uh, what 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 does huge mean? And I can understand him though, Andrew. Well, because he sees the writing on the wall, maybe with Vela and Bowanga is the bridge to their future. Oh yeah, he he and he can and he probably feels that look. Uh, this was great. I enjoyed it, but um, my bread and butter, my my connection has always been to to the French game. Maybe. You know, maybe there's a club, mid-table club in in uh, in Ligue 1 that would take him back that that he would want to go and play for, and 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 that's where he wants to finish out the best. Like he still has clearly, he still has a few really good years left in him. Yeah, and he and just scored 38 goals this calendar year. It's incredible. Right. So when you when you do that in MLS, there's got to be a feeling in the back of his mind or a question that uh, an itch that has to be scratched. And the question is, can I do this? Can I do this at a higher at, in France at a higher level? 
And that is that is a tough one. But contracts are contracts. And uh, a guy who's as valuable, I mean, they're not going to let Vela, Chiellini and Boanga go in one in one offseason. You wouldn't think, I, although it is a, they're so. a glamour club. So you never know what they can attract well, to come back the other way. Yeah, and who are they tapping up? Who are they talking? Excuse me, that what? phrase is incorrect. Wheeler, wheeler and dealer you are. <laughs> no, I'm not a wheeler and dealer. No, Harry, no, I didn't mean fan. it like that, no. <laughs> Too long since we played that drop, but yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway. So there you go, yeah. Um, so what a season in the books. Uh, we'll have plenty of time to see what goes on this offseason, comings and goings. Obviously, Inter-Miami is, is on the radar right now with the Luis Suarez rumors. Um, but congrats again to the Columbus crew on uh, an incredible season and a great run in the postseason, delivering uh, their fans an amazing win at home when they weren't able to do that. I mean, they were. It was at home, but it was in the COVID year. So there was like only a couple, I think, 2,000 people that were there. So be able, to, be able to, to be able to do it like this. Just because uh, you forgot it, it this still was, counts. I didn't forget it. All right. This one was special. And the fact that they did it beating FC Cincinnati along the way in the manner in which they did. Oh, yeah. It's just, an inc- just a, a truly memorable run. Fun couple games against Atlanta United FC in the first round. Lots of goals. I mean, it's, it's just great. They put together a nice DVD. I'll say that for the 2023 season. If people still That's buy for DVDs. Sure. How interesting was it uh, for Patrick to, to, to have to think about whether he enjoyed essentially a semifinal or a final I know. more and, and, uh, and had to think about. Also, Modern goalkeeper, rather than the big save, he had to think about whether a, a 35-yard pinged pass was more satisfying. I'll tell you what. I mean, because he's had some run with, with some of the U.S. youth stuff, the youth setup. Um, if he, like, he excels in that, like, that's part of his, like, some of his strengths are playing that way. Yeah. As, as he develops, let's let's see where this goes. Let's just see yeah. where this goes. He'd be what? 25, 26. Well, I'm not, I don't know that I was looking at this next one, JJ. I just mean, in general, were you not? I was not looking at this. Look, you know my feelings on Matt Turner, all right? I'm not going to, how dare you try to put words in my mouth? I just mean, generally speaking, generally speaking. Okay. Generally speaking. Generally Uh, speaking, we should probably bring this podcast to an end. This was a lot of fun. Congrats again to the crew. And thanks so much to the crew for providing us with Patrick Schulte on today's show. That was awesome. uh, Awesome of them to do that. Um, I enjoyed this immensely. Like we said, Thursday night, 930 Eastern time, we'll do a live stream on YouTube. Hopefully as many of you as possible can join us for that. Uh, we'll we'll throw out some questions. You guys give us your answers. We'll try to make it as interactive as we can. We'll look back on the Champions League group stage as well. The final, the final Champions League group stage, JJ. It all comes to an end on Wednesday. Just incredible. Hey, I enjoyed this immensely, JJ. To you, I say... Roll the apple into the bin to be daring. <laughs> I'll see you. Bye. You've been listening to the Caught Offside Soccer Podcast. 